Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, it's uh, been a little while since we talked. I listened to the podcast that you did with uh, Tommy and Ross, and, you know, it sounds like you guys had a good time. I, I was a little bit, you know, hurt. That that seemed that that you just replaced me that easily, you know. Hey, what did you notice? It took two men to replace you. Oh, uh, I'll take it. I'll so, take but it. But we gotta we gotta find out how the the secret vacation went. You it went was, to some some exclusive place that you couldn't even tell us what where it was because I guess you didn't want the paparazzi showing up. Yeah, that's it exactly. No, we just left out of town for a little while. The wife and I. It was a good time. So you know, yeah, it's always good to recharge the batteries a little bit, but. You know, while I was gone, I was you know keeping track of the situation with football recruiting, and uh, oof, it uh, things seem to have gone south in a hurry. So I figured we could just talk about that for the listeners here. You know, that Don and I have not really discussed a whole plan for this one, so bear with us. It's going to be a little bit more of a, I guess, free flowing uh, podcast than what it normally is. Yeah, it's going to be a conversation, conversation between two good friends. That's all, that's what we need. Exactly. Well, Especially with, with, some, with, with how some of the things have gone down, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's what I was going to say. Let's just start there, Don, because, I mean, I, I'm not going to rehash everything that's kind of broken against the, the Tar Heels over the last you know two weeks or so. But the one thing that I kind of wanted to start with with this podcast, asking you this question, in your experience covering recruiting for all the years, have you ever seen evidence that there's such a thing as recruiting momentum so you know where school can get a run of guys either committing or a run of guys committing elsewhere is that really a phenomenon that you think has like merit is is this something that does actually exist i think yes but not to the extent that a lot of people believe Hmm. and i think really there, if if you have like a, a visit, you know, where you have a bunch of really good recruits, and this is what the whole, you know, freak show was actually established for, and then also the the junior day that's held in conjunction with the UNC Duke basketball game, they try to get their elite elite guys there and try to get a domino effect going, and it has worked a couple times in the past. More recently, though, because particularly with this past freak show, and we talked about this in the in the um, the freak show podcast, so we don't need to to dive into it, but just generally speaking, you know, because they had so many guys there that they 
wouldn't take a commitment from, you know, somebody, you know, because they can't make it a hundred percent exclusive, you know, due to NCAA rules, they weren't able to do the who's next thing and, and, and create that domino effect, which, you know, the, the, I remember the one class, God, I can't remember what, what year it was, but when Nick Polino committed and, and a couple of other guys committed, it just seemed like there were, there were guys who were on the fence. And once one guy committed the, you know, another guy who was on the fence jumped up and committed. Um, I feel like, Polino was one of the ones who was kind of on the fence and then he just saw everybody else commit. And so he jumped up and wanted to commit. And I really believe that North Carolina would have, would have gotten a couple of additional commitments at the freak show had they done something similar. So, but anyway, I, I'm, I just dove down into a, a rabbit hole here, but you know, to kind of get back on track, I think that there is some you'll get like, and I think NC state and I know people really kind of ripped us for talking about them. So positively in the last podcast, but I think that they are really um, doing a good job of, of, of using in-state momentum. And, you know, because all of these guys know each other, they talk to each other. Now, a lot of situations, you'll, you know, and North Carolina had a, had a run of, of commitments in June. I think it was, I can't remember how many exactly, but a, a good chunk of their commitment list was filled up by June commitments. But a lot of these guys didn't know each other. And a lot of these guys were from a bunch of different states. So I wouldn't call that a product of any sort of momentum or, or anything like that. But I think that state is kind of living off of that because, you know, once one guy commits and he's been recruiting or he's been going on a lot of visits to state or wherever else, then he's able to recruit the next guy. You know, Tristan Miller was being recruited by a bunch of guys, in-state guys from um, that had been committed to NC State or, or recently committed to NC State. So there is some of, some of that. As far as like the negative stuff, I don't know if it, I don't know if it necessarily um, is I guess a true thing that happens. I just think that, um, you know, North Carolina had two, really it was just, I mean, no, anybody who's been following Savion Jackson's commitment should not have expected UNC to be a player in it. I mean, UNC definitely fought in to kind of, kind of stay, stay alive, but in reality, it was going to come down to NC state and South Carolina. Now I think yeah. the, the two kicks in the nuts were CJ Clark, where everything imaginable around him pointed towards North Carolina. The only thing was that he was honest with everybody and said, hey, you know, North Carolina's running third. North Carolina's running third. North Carolina's running third. Uh, Tristan Miller was, um, I mean, he never really kind of showed his cards at all. And there was a lot of factors, I guess, uh, going towards North Carolina's way. But, you know, it was just, uh, I guess, you know, NC, I still don't really understand what happened with that, to be honest. I'm assuming that (laughs) NC State did a really good sell job on a lot of different things, especially convincing the kid that NC State's business school and North Carolina's business school are even in the same ballpark was um, you know, the fact that they were able to convince him of that is a magnificent job on, on their part. You would hope that's, that, that someone close to uh, Tristan would have kind of showed him the, the rankings of the business uh, business schools and, and kind of laid it all out, the, the true facts. But it is what it is. So, yeah. So, I mean, those are the two that were, you know, for lack of a better term, kicking the nuts. But uh, the other ones, you know, the Savion Jackson, the I'm trying to think of any other ones that, that really didn't go North Carolina's way. I mean, you know, the one that, that doesn't get talked about a lot is just the the quarterbacks. You know, North Carolina ed- headed into mm-hmm. June with five quarterbacks. And we talked about them. We ranked all five of them. And, yeah, and just, 0 for 5. <laughs> yes, yes. And the most unfortunate part of that is that John Rice Plumley, you know, he basically was he was heading North Carolina for the freak show to to commit to North Carolina. That was his goal, but he made a pit stop at Georgia and 
and the rest is history. And and that's just somehow how it works. And you know the thing is, is if Plumlee would have committed to North Carolina, then UNC would be set a, at quarterback, and all those other guys who committed somewhere else, it wouldn't matter. And it's just those little things that that could happen that that go if they go your way, then everything looks great. If they don't, then um, you know, and it seems like, you know, we're facing doomsday, same situation with CJ. I think really if Tristan would have p- picked North Carolina on Friday, people would be a lot happier and a lot more positive about what's going on with North Carolina recruiting, but it just seems like the hits keep on coming and coming and coming. And we have a couple of other potential commitments coming up this week. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, and, so and, let me just, you, you have the pulse of the fan and you were definitely, you were kind of, you basically were a fan the last couple of weeks, you know, on your on your secret vacation. Um, so when you're sitting back and you're checking your phone or or however you're you're viewing inside Carolina message board and everything like that, what what's going through your mind when all these things are happening? You know, from the fan perspective, it's tough to to be positive about the situation. And that's just because, I mean, if you're a fan, you know, you're not really thinking about the situation 100 percent rationally. And that just comes with, with the territory. But I think, you know, from looking at it as just, uh, hey, what direction is the program going in right now? You know, coming off of a three and nine season, okay, you know, that it it sucks, but, you know, it does happen from time to time. I mean, Carolina fans that are older than, you know, 20 have gone through seasons that, that are just as bad as three and nine. And, you know, I think that though, when the new coaches were brought on, specifically Thigpen and Gillespie, I think that a lot of fans on the Inside Carroll message board and just, you know, Tar Heel fans in general kind of expected those guys to come in and hit the ground running. And I think they might have been able to do that if you still had Brewer on staff. But I really think that the loss of Brewer has gone under the radar as much as you can say that. Because I think what you're seeing right now, Don, is, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but by NC State having the success with the with the in-state kids this year, I don't think that is a coincidence that that happens after Brewer leaves. Because yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, I really wonder, if you said that UNC lands Tristan Miller, if Gunnar Brewer is still on staff, I wouldn't argue with you on that. He, because of just, and this is not, you know, UNC had two of its best recruiters on Tristan with uh, Kapilovic and Tommy Thigpen. So, I mean, they definitely had their big dogs on him. Um, Brewer, though, he does, he recruits a little bit differently. And I wouldn't be surprised if he would have made a difference. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say real quick, because, I mean, with Brewer, do you think that he just had that ability to, you know, to, like you said, with a misconception or something that a rival coach says that just raises a red flag? Do you think with the connections that Brewer had to the high school coaches in North Carolina that he would have been kind of the guy to say, whoa, that's not correct. Let's actually take a step back and look at this and talk about it. Well, yes, but you expect that to happen with any recruiter, not just with Gunnar Brewer. You know what I mean? I mean, someone, someone really, and from my, and I'm just, I'm just assuming here and putting the piece of the puzzle together and I don't have the complete picture of what happened, but um, it sounds like to me that it didn't really be, you know, come to, I guess, the surface that Tristan was kind of believing this until he had already made his decision on, you know, late Thursday night. So 
so really you have a hard time, you know, at that point it's, it's, you know, you can kind of say what you want to say, but then it just, it becomes a point where all you're doing is just giving an excuse. It sounds like all you're giving is an excuse, but yeah, I mean, Brewer was more of the type where he didn't just recruit the kid. He recruited the, you know, the parents, the, the brother, the sister, the, you know, the girlfriend, the grandparents, all that sort of stuff. And put a lot of resources in, into the kids that he, he recruited. You know, and I don't want to take anything away from Cap because I think he's an unbelievable recruiter, or Tommy Thigpen because I think he's an unbelievable recruiter also. You know, and and they do things a little bit differently. Cap's really good at establishing relationships also. So is Thigpen, but um, Brewer just seems to make sure he gets the the everybody in the family tree and everybody connect that's remotely connected to to the kid. And yeah, the high school coaches absolutely love him. And, and whenever you have a, have uh, your the high school coach in your back pocket, that helps out tremendously. Yeah, and I think with Brewer, it's just going to take time to reforge those relationships, and that's why I think yes, yeah, and and that actually leads me to the next kind of overall well, topic. I have a question for you. Oh, okay, let's hear it. All right, let me throw a, a question at you, um, just oh. from what I've been reading on the message boards. And as I said, you are the pulse of the fan. A lot of people are talking about Fedora on the hot seat. This season could de- determine what his fate. Basically, I'm not saying that any of that's right or wrong, true or false. I just want to know, John, your perspective. I mean, what, what's your thoughts based off what's going on now with recruiting, what happened last football season? Could this football season potentially be strike three? I think it could be strike three if the season goes completely in the tank. In other words, if the Tar Heels win less than six games. I think yeah. that it could potentially be strike three, even though the buyout is still huge. You know, college football is, it's cutthroat. And even though NC State has not recruited historically under Dave Doran at a high level, it's not a good sign that they're recruiting well this year. And if you're looking at it from a Tar Heel perspective, you want NC State to succeed in state one season, if at all. In other words, you cannot let them recruit and get the best kids available to the in-state schools for multiple years in a row. That's how you become a Wake Forest type program. And apologies if we have any Wake Forest fans listening to this <laughs> podcast, but uh, you well, know, Wake I mean, Forest is actually doing really well. They are, which, you know, I mean, that, that goes to, to their coaching, but I'm just talking about, you know, in terms of where I think programs kind of view themselves. I mean, you cannot afford to take such a step back against your in-state rivals. And if Carolina really does want to become a football powerhouse or at least, you know, make a some noise, you cannot be focused on just trying to recruit against NC State. You got to get to the point where you can recruit against Clemson and, you know, the SEC schools. So to go back to your to your initial question, I think with with coach Fedora you know, Bubba's going to have a very tough call to make if the heels only go maybe six and six or seven and five, because at that point in time, you you have to look at it as, you know, this is kind of where we're at with Coach Fedora. I mean, last season was terrible. So if, even if you win seven games, you can point and say, hey, the UNC did four games better. But then you also have to think, well, we're in year, it would be going into year eight under Coach Fedora. If the recruiting class ends up being in the 50s, which, you know, I think, Don, when a couple people ran the numbers on your mock class 3.0 and Carolina's not going to end up with those guys. I love you, man. But I think he would even (laughs) admit that. 
Well, even uh, one of them, I've already been wrong on, on one of them. Tristan yeah. Miller, I put in that class. So, so you know, if the Tar Heels, though, do end up with a class in the 50s, I think that's when you're going to have to have some tough conversations inside of the athletic department because, you know, there's a, a strong contingent of fans on the message board. And I think just in general, that kind of wonder, what is UNC's commitment to football? In other words, is the athletic department okay with just winning six or seven games? Or do they think that the program should and can do better? And at that point, you just have to weigh the options. So I do think that this could be a strike three type season if, again, the Tar Heels just fall flat on their faces. I think, though, that if you go seven and five but lose to NC State again, oof, I mean, that's... That's going to be rough, right? So seven and five and lose to NC State. Yeah, it would be real hard, I think, to sell a fan base that we're going in the right direction. If the Tar Heels go seven and five going into year eight, recruiting is in the forties to fifties, and you just lost in, to NC State again. I mean, yeah, no, I I agree with you. The NC State game is going to be huge because of you know, one, it, you know, you just you have to beat them. And if you win, then you're basically saying last year was kind of a fluke. They just kind of got lucky with uh, some of the players that they had that, that they were able to develop, you know? Um, so you kind of almost kind of put them back. It would be huge on that point. The other thing too, is it's at the end of the season and no matter, I feel like no matter who you play at the end of the season, that's, that's like the lasting memory. You know, they mm-hmm. say first impressions. Well, this is the last impression just kind of seems to last throughout the off season. And this is why I think a lot of people don't feel all that positive about North Carolina is because of how they've ended the last few seasons, really, if you think about it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break, though, Don. When we get back, I do want to get back on the football recruiting topic. So let's talk about that. And we'll be right back after these. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. All right, Don, so you got to ask me the question that that you had, so (laughs) now it's my turn. So, you know, and and we've talked about just how things are not going well for the Tar Heels in in recruiting right now, and, you know, you answered my question about momentum and everything. So here's kind of a follow-up to that. If a team is struggling to get commitments, how do they reverse that? And is a reversal in recruiting something that you think could happen like just on a moment's notice or, you know, are Tar Heel fans going to have to potentially wait until next year's class to really start seeing some four-star kids land on that commitment list? As far as the four-star kids, really, it's probably going to take until at the earliest, I would assume January, because it seems like a lot of these guys, I mean, North Carolina really cleaned up last class in in January, February, you know, on, the, on that signing day, basically with, I mean, they, they close out that, class unbelievably on signing day with with the guys that landed William Barnes, Ed Montillas, um, you know, Antoine Green, you know, those guys. Right now, I mean, 
as far as the moon, yeah, I think it's two questions here. It's the four stars. I think, you know, UNC is in it with guys like Ja'Kai Moore and um, William Harad. Darnell Wright seems to make an awful lot of visits to North Carolina, even though I don't think that he's going to end up at UNC. He's a five-star guy. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, a year ago, if you would have asked me if UNC was going to land William Barnes, I would have said no, but that I end up being wrong with, with that. Like, you know, as, you know, my wife thinks I'm wrong with everything. So, um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I think North Carolina is going to obviously stick as long as possible with those guys and see kind of what happens. And in some situations, you know, it's not necessarily the, that, that there's something wrong with the kid. It could be a situation where the kid kind of outweighs, outweighs some of his options. And then UNC is the benefactor of those, uh, of that situation. So, you know, that, that could potentially happen as far as kind of turning the tide and getting, getting some commitments. UNC has Raekwon Anderson is set to decide on uh, July 2nd, which depending on what it is, going to be Monday. You know, that's, that's his goal to decide between North Carolina and Central Florida, who happened to be playing each other early this season. Uh, you also have uh, Brendan Clark, who is tentatively set to make his verbal commitment on the 4th of July. He's a quarterback who North Carolina got in on. Um, you know, basically, he decommitted from Wake Forest, and a bunch of schools um, got in on him, including Notre Dame, Clemson, Tennessee, you know, just you know, after he decommitted. But North Carolina is actually a pretty strong player for him. Um, so much so that he might actually delay his decision. And then also you have John Gillott, who's an offensive lineman from South Carolina, who uh, who attended the Freak Show and then also visited Duke. He's going to decide between those two really any day now. By the time you listen to this, he might have already decided. Um, could be Sunday, could be Monday. He could wait a little bit longer if he needs the time. He spent last week in Destin with some uh, friends and uh, was hoping to kind of make his decision in that environment, which I don't know if that's always the best environment to make a decision. But uh, so maybe he does, he is going to need a little bit more time to talk to his parents and talk to people that he trusts. So yeah, so there's some opportunities for North Carolina to kind of break that streak of losing out on guys and, and get a, a commitment. I, I think North Carolina will get at least one of those guys for sure. And I would not be shocked to see North Carolina land all three. Well, let's talk about one name that has been brought up on the message board a lot. And that is Jaden McKenzie. Now, that's someone that I think if the Tar Heels can land, it would really help kind of put the finger in the leaky wall there. In yeah, terms especially of with losing did you see the guys. offers he's been picking up recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. I don't want to, you know, I get dogged on here by John about my my predictions and rankings and all that sort of stuff. But I took a lot of heat when I put McKenzie up in, I can't remember exactly the number, but I think he was in my top five. I know I put him up really, really high, particularly the NC State fans kind of uh, said it was a homer pick. But it was honestly, it was just me watching his film and just falling in love with it and couldn't believe that the kid didn't have more offers. Now, you know, other schools, Clemson, Ohio State offered. I mean, obviously, they have uh, taken notice. So, but anyway, go back to your question. Well, do you think that if the Heels are able to get McKenzie to go ahead and give a verbal commitment, which, I mean, is no is in no means a guarantee, but I think, you know, he was at least leaning towards the Heels before all these offers came in. Is that a name that if the staff can go ahead and lock it down, get him to come on board, would that really, you think, make a difference in the rest of the class, especially if you consider the rest, the remaining in-state targets? I think it depends because 
the last time I checked, it was a three star. And so a lot of people were like, oh, he's a three star. Those offers were probably not committable. Me personally, I understand the rankings are important. And I understand that the odds are greater that a four or five star kid will excel than a three or two star kid. I get that. But I'm more of, instead of just looking at what the stars say, just put on the tape. I mean, we're in, you know, what year is it? 20, 2018? Yeah, um, I think so. Last time yes, I checked. Yes. You can get film on every single guy. Just put it on. You, you know, anybody who's listening to this watches football. So you, you, you know what you, you know, you know what's a good player. You know what's not. Just put it on. And you tell me if Jade McKenzie's a good player. What's going to happen, though, if he commits to North Carolina, a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's another three-star, and just kind of focus on that. Instead of watching the film and understand that there's a lot more that goes into rankings than um, actual evaluation. And this is coming from someone who actually knows how the, the sausage is made. But let me just throw the question back at you. I mean, mm-hmm. you, pulse of the fan, you know, Jade McKenzie, let's say he commits tomorrow, which is probably not going to happen. But let's just say he commits tomorrow. How, I guess on a scale one to 10, how excited, how depressed are you about that, that sort of commitment? Oh, I think it's an eight on the importance and, and the happiness scale, both in terms of just timing. And I think to kind of help reverse this, this uh, trend of in-state guys going to NC State. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry for all the people listening that we have to say NC State so much, but I mean. We can make well, it a drinking game. Yeah, I know, right? shot at every time you know but it's a simple fact that you can't just bury your head in the sand about this i mean nc state is having a really good recruiting year especially within the state of north carolina and if you're a tar hill fan that's got to be concerning so we are going to discuss it and that's why i think that if you can get a guy like mckenzie who does have now you know offers committable or not from bigger time programs i think that that's a huge huge boost for the fan base right now that just doesn't have a lot of positivity left. I mean, the season is still, oh, what, two two months away? And, I mean, we're going to have a lot of dead time to talk about what's going on. And so I think if, if you're a fan, if the Heels can get a commitment from someone like McKenzie and then still try to go after guys like Rory, um, who's another in-state defensive what lineman. What about Rory? What if, what if Rory commits? I think Rory is, is, I think that's a good sign right there, but I don't think it has quite the same oomph as McKenzie. Put it that okay. way. Yeah, I think. Now, I'll with, tell you with Rory, though, uh-huh. while all these other bad things are happening, North Carolina is really turning the tide behind the scenes with Rory, and he's been working try to, really hard to try to get an overnight visit. Now, he can't mm-hmm. do it through the coaches because it's the dead period, um, but he's made some friends on the team, and uh He's trying to kind of, I guess, spend some time with, with one of those guys um, in their dorm or whatever, or at least be on the, on the campus to kind of get that feel. He's been able to do that at Duke, and Duke is actually, I guess, North Carolina's biggest threat when it comes to Rory. So, but, but really, particularly with the freak show where he was able, his girlfriend was there, I think his parents were there also, um, they all really loved it. He likes it. Um, I, I believe his girlfriend actually wants him to be at North Carolina. Um, don't quote me on that, but um, things are really kind of turning with, with, with that situation. Hmm. Well, I mean, Rory is definitely an, another name that I think would, would help out. But like I said, I think right now, if you're pointing to maybe just one name that can kind of give the fan base some positivity during the summer, it would be McKenzie. Let's go ahead, Don, and, and wrap this thing up with one final topic. 
In terms of the overall class size, now you had 19 names on your mock class Mm 3.0, and it's been another point of contention on the message boards. And you know, (laughs) I I don't know how how widespread it is, but you know, Fedora has tended to undersign his classes, and I think right now the there's only quote unquote room for. 20 i think it is like if you just go by who will for sure be be leaving the team but there's going to be attrition do you really think that that this will be another uh class that the tar heels sign in the high teens low 20s or do you think that we may see that that number jump up i mean i think it will be i think we'll, we'll get into the early 20s and the way I do my mock classes, if sign day were today, if sign day were today, North Carolina would sign 19. I'm just wow. looking at my um, the, the scholarship roster breakdown on the Inside Carolina recruiting board, and UNC will lose 13 seniors to graduation. So, okay. I mean, there is some, there is some, I guess, attrition. And you also have to add in, you know, uh, Jordan Adams is, is one attrition um, that we, we know about. And that's why initially when the class started, UNC was looking to sign two receivers and bump that up to three when Jordan leaves. I get where everyone's coming from with the numbers and this and that, but where do you just all of a sudden just throw that number at? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you just say, okay, let's just take a, a, a another defensive lineman, and then all of a sudden you lose three offensive linemen, and you know, and then you have to scramble for that. I think the way that North Carolina does it is they have their numbers. And they just based off what happens with the attrition, you know, what positions are being hit by attrition. Now, that doesn't mean that UNC just stops recruiting those that that position. You know, um, they'll continue to talk to guys and 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 host guys on, on visits and everything like that. But you know, basically, kind of keep them warm. But really, you know, they have their set number and they just kind of wait until they need a guy at that particular position. But yeah, if Sunday were today, it'd be about nineteen ish, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, you know, there's going to be attrition. You know, so yeah, so I expect it to be in the early, or in the early twenties, and and just just for the record, I don't think I'd have to go back and look at my notes. I did look at it one time, um, based off of the scholarship numbers that we uh, we know, Fedora has not has not uh, fielded a team with under eighty five scholarship. Well, uh, outside of when the NCAA put the penalty on. Besides that, he has always filled a team with 85 scholarships. And yes, he puts guys, um, walk-ons on scholarship. And in some of those situations, he plans that well before the season begins because a guy is either a crucial part of, you know, of, um, you know, actually deserves it or is, a, you know, a crucial special teams member, such as a long snapper or a kicker or a punter. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if a punter gets put on scholarship at some point because there isn't one on scholarship right now. Yeah, I think punter will, you know, whoever emerges uh, at at the go-to guy at that position, I think will definitely take a scholarship there. And, you know, in in general, though, I, I don't know, Don, I'm one of these where I think if you can get a three-star kid, even if it's a lower-ranked three-star kid out of a state like Florida or Texas, you know, someone that might be thinking about going to, like, a Central Florida or South Florida or one of the directional schools over there in Texas, just my philosophy is that I would rather take a flyer on those guys and, and not, you know, you, you don't need to make up the bulk of your class on them, obviously. But if I, I'm just one of those where if you're sitting on like 20, 21, 22, and you have a kid that you kind of like his film, and like I said, he's from one of those states that just produce football talent, I've always considered, hey, take a flyer, see what happens. 
and go from there. Let me throw out a different way of looking at it. Uh-huh. And I think that this is one one of the reasons that doesn't get brought up often about NC State is that I know that people don't want to hear me talk about NC State, but um, they have, and they even in this class, taken some guys who I don't know if they are ACC caliber guys, but if you take in-state guys and you show that you're taking care of the in-state, you can't just recruit. You know, everyone wants to put put a, a wall around North Carolina, you know, but you can't just recruit the top tier guys in the state and think that you're going to build a wall. You have to take care of the state. And so you have to take some guys that maybe, you know, maybe he probably is an ACC caliber guy. But I think what really, you know, just this is just one example. What really helped NC State with Savion Jackson is that, NC State took his teammate, the class before, Devin Clark, who would have loved to come to North Carolina. Now, I don't know if, you know, who knows what would happen with, with Savion if uh, Clark ended up at UNC as opposed to NC State, but UNC never offered. But it definitely would have helped UNC's chances with Savion. And that's just something else to think about. I agree. You know, you know Florida and Texas and even Georgia, they have so much talent in those states that if you take some of the second and third tier guys, they're going to end up being players. I mean, if you look at some of the players that North Carolina has gotten from Georgia, for example, you know, Donnie Miles is a guy that, that wasn't, wasn't highly recruited, but, you know, was kind of like a forgotten guy on a really, really good team and up being a, you know, a, a great player for UNC. Um, there, and there's a bunch of examples of that. You know, Taman Fox was a guy who, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech didn't really recruit. But I, I just wonder if maybe you kind of start taking some of these guys and, who really would love to come to North Carolina and instead of having them end up at Wake Forest and hating you and playing really well against you or NC State and or Duke and hating you and wanting to play really well against you, maybe you take those guys and see if that kind of helps you within that within those areas that they're located in. Yeah, and, and I think to that point, Don, that's where as a coach, you just have to have a relationship with the high school coach and the yes. high school athletic programs, because everyone's going to be different. I mean, there are some high school coaches that, you know, if you don't take someone's teammate and, you know, a bridge gets burned or there's some, some ill feelings there. Yeah. It can seriously come back and bite you later on down the road. But let me throw another example. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't interrupt you. Did I? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I was just going to say, I didn't want you to give a segue. Go ahead, go no, ahead, finish what you're no, saying. it's fine. And then I was just going to say, you know, and, and, and then with other coaches, you know, you can be a little bit more blunt and just be like, look, coach, we like this kid. We know that, that you like him a lot, but he's just not up to par. And, you know, some high school coaches will be like, okay, I respect that. We're going to move on. And others may take it personally. So that's where it just comes down to if you're a coach at, at UNC, you've got to know which coaches and which high school programs are like that and which ones aren't. A really good example kind of popped into my head. A couple uh-huh. classes ago, Hendon Hooker was being recruited out of Dudley uh, by North Carolina by a bunch of schools. North Carolina really liked him, didn't offer. He would have loved to come to North Carolina. I believe he grew up a UNC basketball fan. Now, he ends up going to Virginia Tech. And if you remember last year, North Carolina recruited the Greensboro area pretty heavily with yeah. – uh, God, Tinsdale was one of them from from Page High School. Um, DJ Crossan, who was committed to North Carolina for one uh, at one point, former teammate of Hendon Hooker, and then you have Trey Turner, also North Carolina recruited, and he was you know, his his brother went to you know played at played basketball at UNC. But all of those guys were really really close to Hendon Hooker and looked up to him. Now it it, it is kind of tough because you don't want to take a guy just because you might get some guys in future classes. But if you just kind of look at just the dynamics of things, you say, okay, Hooker might be the the 
piece of the puzzle that kind of helps us get some guys in the future. And, you know, he's not a bad, he wasn't a bad quarterback. He was a really good quarterback, you know, for uh, Dudley High School. You know, that, that's a situation where, I mean, obviously you got to weigh, you got to weigh the pros and cons. I'm sure UNC did, but I don't know if they knew at the time just how influential he was in that area and how it would really, really affect the next class with, uh, with his relationships. But I mean, it's just, it's just another thing to kind of think about. It is. All right, Don. Well, we've talked for some time now here. Let's go ahead and save some additional topics for the rest of the summer. Like I said, we still have uh, several more weeks of just dead air to wring our hands about recruiting and uh, just go back and forth, man. But hopefully the next time we talk, maybe the, the heels will have some positive news on the football recruiting front and we can discuss that. All right. Sounds good, John. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.